Welcome, everyone. We're just finishing up a six-week series on faith. We've been using this book, Think Your Troubles Away, for inspiration by Ernest Holmes. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, the series is going to end the way it started, with the idea of faith itself. We've been learning along the way tips and tricks, if you will, for really changing our, you know, Sharon every Sunday says, you know, if you're willing to change your mind, your life can change. And, and part of this last six weeks has been giving you tools and techniques for, for doing just that. But there's a little catch in all of this. And that is the willingness to actually do something about it. Do you know what I mean? It's like we can learn all kinds of tools. I remember some of the tools I learned, to, for instance, in high school. Like how many? Like I know that I know the available trigonometry that would tell me how much concrete to order if one side of a, of the triangle for the garage pad is 20 feet and one side. Do you know what I mean? It's like we learn things like that. But how often do we actually put them into practice? Well, the place to start, not surprisingly, is motivation. What is going to motivate us, if you will, to change our thinking in order to change our lives and the world? Well, I found uh, at least one source of motivation here via today's joke. A 10-year-old boy was failing math horribly. His parents had tried everything from tutors to hypnosis, no avail. Finally, although his parents were agnostic and had really never been to church, the boy had never been to church, they decided to enroll their son in a private Catholic school. The school was well known for motivating its students. After the first day, the boy's parents were surprised. He came home, immediately went to his room and started studying. Short break for dinner, back to the math books. They were shocked, but pleased. This pattern continued throughout the whole first term, and as the term concluded, he came home with his first report card. His mother opened the report card, a large red A in mathematics. They rushed to talk to their son. What was it? What motivated you? Was it the nuns that did it? The boy shook his head. No. Was it the one-to-one -one tutoring, the peer mentoring? Was it the excellent textbooks and the fine teachers there? No, said the son. On that very first day, I walked in. I knew that they meant business. I saw that guy they'd nailed up on the wall. <laughs> Let this not be us. <laughs> Very literally, how often are our motivations based on avoiding something or in reaction to something negative? We don't want to be that boy. In, in fact, uh, you know, there's been a survey, a survey of people who really have changed their lives around, and so often it's the result of some kind of negative and life-changing situation. Like, for instance, uh, it's very common for people who've had a heart attack or, um, or a stroke then to become interested in exercise and diet, right? It's very common for people who have had really a miserable go of things to understand that life has to change. But let this not be us. Let us not require a tragedy 
in order to find ourselves willing to change. So what motivates us? Now this is a question that only each person here can answer for themselves, but I have some ideas. For many people, a motivation is really a desire to see their lives change for the better, whether it be to improve a relationship, whether it be to see more abundance in their life, whether it to be closer to God, whether it be a a sense of of closeness and love with uh, friends and family. For other people, it's being able to turn what was a job into a life's passion. For still other people, it might be wanting to make a difference in the world. You know, how many times have you asked yourself, what is my legacy? What will there be of me on the planet that's different when I'm no longer on the planet? For still others, it might be the smallest amount of input into uh, maybe a young child to understand that their lives will be improved by what we have been through and what we are available to teach. Now, I don't know what your particular motivation is, but that's where it starts. Without being motivated, everything that we talk about here on Sunday, right, is pretty much a theory. Do you know what I mean? It wouldn't matter what I would say if we don't have that motivation to begin changing our thinking, if we don't have that motivation to get closer to God, to understand the power of our own word and and of God's co-creative power, then things aren't going to change so much. Now, I'm going to leave that part up to you, right? But what I do know is if we don't change, we're very apt to be the one nailed up to the wall because things have a habit of repeating. I bet... If I really got to know the people in this room, or even if I maybe handed out a little bit of a questionnaire, let's say to each person I handed out a questionnaire and asked you to list just some facts about your life right now. You know, are you married and how long? Um, What is your earnings range right now? Um, uh, what, What is your impression of world politics? You know, maybe 20 questions to answer that. I bet with great accuracy, I could predict what you were thinking five years ago. Do you know what I mean? If you wrote down today that you were maybe suffering in kind of a lackluster relationship, for instance, or if you were wrote down your income range at, at close to the poverty level, I could almost guarantee that five years ago you were thinking of a lot of lack and limitation. You were feeling that your options were constrained, that you didn't have good courses of action. If you were had written down on the form that you were currently having trouble in a relationship, I could, I could very easily predict that three, five years ago uh, you were feeling unlovable and not connected to other people. That there, do you know what? Do you see where I'm going? It's like where we were five years ago, if we do nothing, we'll be where we are today. And where we are today, if we don't choose to make changes in our thinking, our habits, the way we show up in the world, the the way we interact with other people, if we don't make changes, that's where we're going to be five years from now. How do we make these changes? You know it's easier than you think, but the first place to start is to do something with our old thoughts and beliefs. Because, right, that's going to be the thing that propels us forward. If we don't change those old thoughts and beliefs, they're current thoughts and beliefs, and that's what's going to create tomorrow. How many people here have had times in the past that you were told 
pretty straightforwardly that you were not good enough, that maybe you, um, you weren't talented enough or you weren't smart enough. I mean, in, in my own life, I remember, and this can happen at any time. And you know, the sad news is, so often it's the people who love us, who trust us and who care for us. It's a, it's a parent, it's a teacher. It's, a, it's someone who in their heart maybe even thinks they're doing us a favor. I remember in, well, really, in a way, I remember I was so, I took my first art class, I think at age, uh, age nine in, uh, in school, and I remember being so happy with this craft project that I came home from it, and, uh, and it's interesting, because when my mom passed away, at the bottom of a trunk, there it was, it was a picture of a butterfly with glued-on macaroni, right? And oh, I was so proud of that. I remember taking it home, and I remember my mom looked at it, and you could tell right the smile was a little <laughs> artificial and she said oh well that's very nice <laughs> and she almost didn't have to tell me that she was disappointed she she really didn't even have to use the words because I could tell that my creativity wasn't quite what I had thought it was it was written in her eyes I mean my mom was the most loving mom you can imagine and yet we are so quick to pick up on those cues of inadequacy or not smart enough or not good enough. You know, another example came uh, a, a decade later, my, my first tryout in high school choir. You know, I was one of those kids that, that could sing in the shower and enjoyed their own singing. And, 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 so, uh, and it was one of those choirs, luckily, where you didn't even have to try out. It was like, you sign up for the class, you get to be in the choir. And so we had a lovely choir practice, and I was having so much fun, and the choir director came up to me uh, afterward and said, oh, congratulations, I'm so glad you're in class, and would you mind from now on sitting in the back row and just kind of bring the volume down just a little bit, you know? We need to work on blending that voice because we don't want it to stick out. These are the things that people do with us thinking they're doing a good deed. But the result of it is, right, you suddenly believe you're not a good singer. You suddenly believe you're not talented. And, and whether it's you're not smart enough or you're not pretty enough or you're not lovable enough, whether it is you, you, you know, I'm no good at math or, or I'm no good at whatever it is, these things will haunt us for our entire lives if we allow them to. But I ask you, were these your thoughts in the beginning? No, absolutely not. Some darn fool came up with them and they're not even true. <laughs> but we have to deal with them, don't we? Because somewhere along the way, we internalize them. Somewhere along the way, a part of my own self said, oh, you're just really not good at singing. We'll leave that to someone else. Somewhere along the line, uh, we got an idea that we just weren't lovable enough or talented enough or good enough. Well, we have a few techniques for helping us with this because old thoughts, old beliefs can be released. Now, I don't mean they have to be forgotten either, right? I mean, trying on purpose to forget a thing is kind of a hard thing to do, right? Sharon, please forget what I'm saying right now, you know? It's not apt to work that way. But I tell you, it's not the forgetting of it. It's forgetting or losing the power it has in our lives. I want to, I now, actually, I have a great singing voice. 
Oh, well, you were supposed to. <laughs> no, actually, actually, the good news is you don't have to affirm it because I know it's true. My singing voice is just fine. I can look back at that choir teacher 25 years, no, more than that. <laughs> more like 40 years ago and just smile because the poor guy, I mean, he was like 22. He was doing the best job he could, right? He doesn't have any power over me. I love to sing, and I'm good at it. This is an attitude that can, we can all take. I don't have to forget that that happened, right? It's not forgive and forget. It's fine that I remember it, but I do not allow it to have power over me anymore. And there are several ways we can, we can address this issue. First of all, you can just bless it away. And honestly, that's kind of what I've done with that gentleman from my past. It's like I recognize, you know, it was one of his first teaching jobs. It was one of his first experiences with children. It's like, God bless him. Can you imagine how hard that must have been? They have 35 kids, you know, wanting to all turn into opera stars or country western singers. I mean, my God, the poor guy. So I bless him, and it's okay. He has no power over me. Another tool that you can use is forgiveness. If anger wells up in you when you think of someone who did something to you, if, if that anger is holding on to you, forgive them. It is you that will benefit from the forgiveness process. It is you that will release some of that sting or, or anger or unhappiness. As you forgive someone, you have the ability to gain back your power. You can lose that sting. Another one that is very common is actually shame. How many of us carry around some shame or bad feelings around something that we have done? You can release that as well. Sometimes amends need to be made. Sometimes you might physically want to do something to make the situation right. But you know what? More often than not, it's just a phone call. More often than not, it's, you know, remember when we were 12 and, and I used to treat you so miserably? I remember my, my partner Daniel not too long ago. I was kind of shocked because uh, my partner Daniel is a little bit shy on expressing his emotions and I was just wandering by and I heard him apologizing to his sister for tormenting her, and I could imagine he might have managed to do that, when they were like seven and nine. And I could just feel, just feel the, the heartfelt apology in there of making amends in that way. And you know what? She didn't have to respond in any particular way. She didn't have to accept it or not. It was his willingness to express that that could set him free. Whatever we need to do to forget negativity, painful feelings, events and situations, whatever we need to do to either forget them or just release the, the residual anger or angst around them, we owe it to ourselves. We owe it to the planet. That is what is holding you back. It isn't just maybe that you haven't created a compelling picture of where you want to go. It isn't just that maybe you haven't done enough work on accepting your brilliance. It's that these tag-alongs, these ideas from the past, these limitations and negative beliefs about yourselves are going to hold you there. So let us release them. Let us work through them, not forget them necessarily. 
Honestly, when I think of that choir director from uh, when I was a, a freshman in high school, I just laugh. It's, it's actually kind of a fond memory. Another thing we can do is actually reframe the memory. Are you familiar with the idea of reframing something that happened to you? It isn't that you're going to change the idea of what happened. It isn't that you're going to rewrite history. It's that you're going to feel differently about it. You know, uh, one of the reasons we have, I think, a number of people here in the congregation that are in 12-step programs is because they've been encouraged by my own story. You know, the, the 20 years that I was uh, actively an alcoholic, it's nice to say, I have another 20 years behind me that I, I've been sober and loving and enjoying life. It's tremendous. But you know what? I don't think negatively about those days that I was drinking. If someone came right to me and said, Larry, do you wish that had never happened? I would have to hesitate because I believe that the answer for me is no. I'm fine that that happened. The reason is I've reframed it. That is what has made me who I am today. I have an inner strength, an inner power, an inner self-knowledge of what I'm capable of with God's help because of those 20 years of drinking, and I'm not so sure I'm ready to give them up. I don't want to forget them. I've reframed my understanding and feelings of that time period in my life. I don't want to repeat them either. <laughs> but what I do know, it's who I am today. It's a part of me. No shame, no guilt. When I think about those times, again, I'm able to put a smile on my face and think this is part of what made me as, as powerful and loving and, and in the present moment as I am today. It's not something I'd wish on anyone, but it is part of the glory that is me. Whatever tool you need to use, whether it's a atonement, forgiveness, reframing, um, just blessing bad things that happen to you, do it. Use the tools. They will set you free. They will allow you to capitalize on the power and your future thinking. All right. We started this six-week series on faith. We're going to end this six-week series on faith. And there are three particular kinds of faith that I want to conclude with. The first one is simply faith in God, and it's a total good news story. If you were here on Sunday, you're already getting that message that God is good. And if all you ever did was come here on Sundays often enough, your picture of God would begin to elevate. You would recognize that God is always for you and never against you. You would understand that God is infinite and you can take a part of that in infinity for yourself. You would understand that, that God is the support and the true source of everything on this planet and it is God's giving nature to just lay it out for us. The love, the joy, all we have to do is a willingness to participate. And so if all you ever do is come on Sunday, do you know what? Your life's going to get better. Because as you up-level your idea of God, as you up-level how you know God can be in terms of good and love and joy and peace, you'll begin thinking that way yourself. And when you begin thinking your, your way, that way yourself, you're up for Sharon's challenge. Change your thinking and change your life. So the total good news is just being here on Sunday, your life will change because your idea of God will keep up-leveling itself. 
But I also know that a good number of us maybe want a little bit more dramatic change. Not that just gradual, tiny little step at a time, although that will work. If we really want to have a dramatic impact for the better on our own lives and for the planet, we also have to faith have faith in the way God works in the world. And that is the idea that our thinking is creative. And when we can have true faith in the idea that our thinking is creative, then there's no stopping us. It isn't this gradual adding on. It truly is something more magnificent than that. And I want to ask your help today. I'm going to demonstrate how building this kind of faith can work. But first of all, I have a question. Does anyone know where the word amen comes from? Remember how we close prayers, you know, whether it's the Lord's Prayer or in in so many services through churches and synagogues and temple across the world, they'll end a prayer, they'll end a service, they'll, they'll end something with the word amen. Well, I looked that one up, for those of you who don't know, and what is curious is the word is so old that they can't even tell if in English we've inherited it from the Greek, from the Aramaic, or uh, from an even older tongue, uh, a Sumerian language. And it's common really in so many many Western uh, religions that it's difficult to tell where the word comes from, but in all of those languages... It means, and so it is. So if you've ever wondered why in a science of mind center, we close the prayer with, and so it is, we're simply translating it into modern English is all we're doing. And the reason why we end a prayer with amen or and so it is, is to give it a blessing, is to say, yes, this is what's going to happen. This is the answer that, gives God, that God gives to things. And so in order to help me with my faith today, I'd like you to do me a favor and play God for a minute, would you? I'm going to make a couple short prayers, and my request is that you would answer back with, and so it is. Are we game? All right. So I'll start with the first one. My life is filled with love. And so it is. My life is joy. And so it is. My life is abundantly flowing. And so it is. My life is hideous and horrible. And so it is. Now I I had sort of hoped <laughs> I had sort of hoped, you know. <laughs> but you know, there's the rub, isn't it? There is the rub, because God, for all of God's glory, only knows how to say yes. It is God's good pleasure to give us the kingdom, but we got to ask for it. And if we ask for pain, if we ask for suffering, unfortunately, unfortunately, and then we're back to that idea of really what thoughts are going around in our heads Thoughts are like prayers and the ones that we hold on to, whether they be positive or whether they be negative, the news is God smiles and says, and so it is. So let us begin choosing wisely. And this leads me to the third form of faith that is so important to us, and that is faith in our own ability 
to know what our thoughts are and to make changes in them. It is faith in our own ability to understand what's good for us and to claim it and to align with it in terms of our thoughts, our emotions, our words, and our deeds. Faith around God saying, as so it is, I I hope that one's plain. I hope that one's easy. God will always say yes to whatever you hold in your heart, whatever your prayer is for, God will say yes. The trouble is, God can't tell when we're praying from when we're having idle thoughts of negativity and loss. And so the final area of faith is right here. It is faith in ourselves to do what is necessary. In a way, we're back to motivation again. Are you motivated to have a better life? Are you motivated in such a way that you really will take Sharon up on the challenge to change our thinking? If we're thinking of loss and dismay, of of trouble and heartbreak, God says yes. And if we're thinking of joy, if we're thinking of love, if we're thinking of, of peace and of abundance, if we are thinking that we make a difference in the world and when we show up in love and trust and, and joy and peace, if we think these things, what does God say? So it is. Let me close with a, a final quote from this lovely book, Think Your Troubles Away, and a prayer. Ernest Holmes ends this book by saying, It is done unto us as we believe, but belief is largely subjective, and we are all more or less marked by the grooves of our past experience, a large portion of which may have been adverse. We must learn to change this. We must learn to build our faith. Let us pray. There is one power and one presence in this universe. It is this thing that I call life. And life is good. God is good. God is the all-power, the all-knowingness. God is, is joy and love and the sweetness of life. God is every good thing. And I know that means me. I know that nothing is denied me. Nothing is denied anyone in this room. As we organize our thoughts, as we organize our dreams, as we choose carefully what it is that we believe and claim in our life, God simply says yes. The true power of answered prayer is that the prayer is formulated in a way that will truly give us what we deserve. And so for each person in this room on this day, I acknowledge there's a willingness to choose our thoughts more carefully. There's a a willingness and a capability of aligning our thoughts and our words and our deeds to be productive and loving and good. There is God in our lives always, and we accept it. I'm grateful for this. Together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for being here. Thank you.